The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbercast, the only baseball podcast in the world for whom it has always been a Jordan year. Happy 2023. I'm Jake Mintz and I am joined by the GOAT himself, Michael mm. Jordan Schusterman. Hello, sir. Goddamn right. As I maybe have mentioned at some point on a podcast, I was sort of kind of named after Michael Jordan, kind of, sort of, not really. I wasn't not named after Michael Jordan, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, <laughs> and I was named after former Cleveland pitcher Jake Westbrook. People don't know that. <laughs> Who was very much like Michael Jordan was also peaking in 1995. That that timing doesn't quite line up as well. Uh, Jake, it is so good to be back with you. We have not recorded an actual podcast together um, since I believe, what was it, December 22nd? Oh man, we had MetsCon with Bobby to talk about Carlos Correa. Should we have him back on? Because literally nothing has changed. We're going to get into Carlos Correa. We're going to get into the mountain of moves that have happened since we last hopped on these microphones. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed our conversations with Carlos Rodon and Garrett Stubbs. We, we certainly enjoyed them. So we hope you did while we were gone. But those were uh, recorded ahead of time, ahead of last week. So we have not joined. Uh, together here on 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 the uh, fancy Zoom boxes to record a podcast for quite a while, and we got a lot to talk about. I'm I'm pretty excited to do this podcast. I'm very excited. It is 2023, a new year, time for tons of New Year's revolutions, a time to get in the gym and get fit, a time to eat healthier uh, and read more books, right? Uh, and then, or to overthrow a government, right? Or to your, overthrow your a New Year's revolution of choice. Exactly. <laughs> and then February 1st will happen and they will all fade away yes. into nothing. But just for a little context, I, Jake Mintz, spent the last week and a half on a beach uh, in the Caribbean, not looking at really anything baseball related or my phone at all. I feel refreshed. But what that means is that I don't know anything about baseball. I forgot all the rules, forgot all the team names. And so Jordan is going to have to update me. So on today's show, we're going to go through all the nibs and notes that we have missed over the Christmas period, over yes. Boxing Day, over New Year's. To be fair, um, and and I also have been relative, I've been watching a lot of Big Bash cricket. So hopefully I don't make references to overs instead of innings and 
you know, wickets instead of outs. We'll, we'll see. The point is, is now to be very clear, since our, we've done this bit so many times, Jake is aware of what has happened yeah, roughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just haven't talked about them. This is not me revealing to him that the Pirates signed Rich Hill, Ooh. but we will be we will be talking about all these moves together basically for the first time. So Correct. that I am excited for. But before we get to all of that, we do have to acknowledge the um, the busted ankle in the room, which is that Carlos Correa is still not on a baseball team, particularly the New York Mets. Now, where we last left off, the episode before our last uh, live recording was, oh my God, Jordan, holy shit, do you see what happened when you were asleep? Carlos Correa is on the Mets now. And then the next day, we did Mets Con with Bobby Wagner, and we were like, oh my God, Carlos Correa is on the Mets now. And we we're like, holy shit, this is great. Okay. Then we went off to our respective uh, holiday vacations. Right before Christmas, we got a report from Ken Rosenthal that said, hey, remember when the Giants were like, oh, this medical doesn't look so good. The Mets were like, hey, oh, the the medical doesn't look so good. Apparently, it is also related to the ankle, not the back that has been actually bothering him over the course of his major league career. Just to refresh everybody, this is an ankle injury that Carlos Correa suffered in 2014 while he was in the minor leagues on a weird slide. He fractured a lower part of his, uh, I believe it is his left leg. Um, or right leg, I think. Uh, and this one of the in- two, one of the two, it's, it's one of the legs. I think his, this injury has, is something that he re-aggravated at the end of this season in a very strange way. Also on a slide into second base where he gave a quote after, after the game that was like, yeah, it hit my plate. I'm like what plate? There's a plate in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was numb. But then it was like fine a few uh, a little bit later, and I was fine. He played the rest of that game. He played the rest of the season. He didn't have any. He didn't hit the aisle or anything. It was like a weird thing that nobody noticed because nobody was watching the Twins at the end of September <laughs> at that point, and we all forgot about it until he failed two medicals. Tis but a flesh wound, Jordan. <laughs> the Carlos Cray injury saga, which I will dub his neck, his back, his ankle that is cracked. <laughs> um, there's a little reference for you. Uh, it is Messy very that. bizarre because it all felt like a done deal. And it's funny because when the Giants said no to the medical, we were like, look at these idiots. And yep. then the Mets took a look at it. And now the narrative is, oh, so it's bad, bad. Right. right? <laughs> so it's, yes. It's actually not good because the Mets with Steve Cohen, like the last time we talked, it was this coup that they had pulled off where they mm-hmm. had swooped in and taken Carlos Correa and. Steve Cohen might as well have said, fuck the medical. He's on the Mets. And, and then they saw the medical and it's like, oh, uh-oh. and Steve Cohen was like, and he he's still probably going to end up saying to some degree, like, we're so signing him. I still believe he's going to end up on the Mets. But the thing is that Steve Cohen did what you're not supposed to do, which is comment publicly on the free agent you have signed before the medical. That is not My something man. that anyone is supposed to do at any point. And yeah. if this does lead to actually him not being on the Mets, uh, Scott Boris and the uh, MLBPA will be like, hey, Scott, uh, Scott, Steve Cohen, that's not something you could do. We're going to file a serious grievance here. My man talked about Bruno. Yeah. Don't do it. That's very, very clear in the song. They say it probably 40 to 50 times over the course of four to five Don't minutes. Do it. You do not talk about it. Before you have put pen to paper, I'll say this. We are obviously not doctors. We're not looking at at the medical and and the x-rays. But my sense of what this injury is to explain it to people that don't don't get it is that what I'm saying is they are looking at the structural integrity of his ankle and a very in-depth look at x-ray and saying it's like looking at, 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 at you're taking stock of like a bridge 
that looks fine and everyone's been driving over it for years and it's there's been no issues, but you're looking at it, you're looking at an x-ray of the bridge and you're saying, this bridge could collapse sooner than we would like <laughs> if we're going to commit to everyone driving over the bridge for the next 10 years. And so we are a little bit worried that that is going to happen. Now, it's been fine. It's been fine. The bridge, everyone's been driving over the bridge. It's fine. He's been working. He's been walking. He's been playing shortstop. But that is, seems to be my sense of what they're looking at here. Now, that still seems more like a long-term thing than a he's not going to be able to play in 2023. But for a 13-year commitment or sorry, 12-year commitment, that seems to be the holdup. And I understand that from the Mets' perspective. But it is incredibly hilarious that we are at this point still now almost two weeks later. The consensus is that he will be on the Mets. But as a neutral I would love for him to not. I would love for another zag in the story, a twist in the uh, tail. I would love for another team to swoop in and it'd be like, oh, out of nowhere, the Rangers. Right. And then like Carlos Correa takes a physical with the Rangers and it's like, oh, the Rangers are concerned. Like <laughs> it, it's clear that it's bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's not bad enough to preclude him. From being paid a lot of money to play baseball for a very yeah, long time. and I would guess he ends up on the Mets. I would guess either they have some games played contingencies, or they just shorten the length and add the AAV to where it's like the same you know value, whatever, something like that. I, it's has just he thought it's about, very goofy. Has he thought about just getting a new one at the store? Oh, a new le- a new leg. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he, again, but he hasn't signed. Hey, he, he's made a lot of money this past year. I would imagine he could he could probably. Whenever I have problems with my ankle, I just go to the store. <laughs> just go get a new one. Um, yeah, it's super weird. It does also seem like maybe the injury at the end of the season maybe had an impact on whatever is inside his leg, even if he played the rest of the season. I have no idea. We're not going to keep speculating. The point is, is, it's hilarious. We're still talking about it all these weeks later. Um, but we have actual transactions that were completed <laughs> since we last talked. And because of that, with physicals that are far less dramatic, and because of that, we are going to dive right into them. Now, we have so many. I mean, listen, we got we got trades, we got extensions, we got signings. Um, and because of that, we are going to order these roughly by how much we care, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of that simple. And yeah, they're, they're generally ordered by the impact on you know, the 2023 season and beyond. But this is just how much, Jake, you you particularly, as you were refreshing yourself on the moves, be like, oh, I, I have feelings. I have thoughts about that. I'm excited to talk about that on the podcast. And so Correct. we're going to lead with those moves. I had a three-hour uh, delay yesterday on, on, on one of those aero, aero planes. And while I waited uh, in the terminal, I scrolled through these moves and I said about some of them, hmm. And about some of them, I said, hmm. hmm. And so we're going to start <laughs> with the one that made me most go, hmm. And that was the Texas Rangers signing mm-hmm. Nathan Eovaldi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan was a two-year, thirty-six million dollar deal. Yes, two-year, thirty-four. Uh, two-year, thirty-four with I think some some vesting options and whatnot. Now, I, I you you have been the number one Nathan Eovaldi fan for quite some time, and the the main takeaway here before we get to Eovaldi specifically is that the Rangers have purchased themselves a new rotation in one offseason. It is one of the I, – I, I don't think there's precedent for this, for for acquiring or signing four starting pitchers in one offseason. That seems like not something that normally happens. But, like, this is kind of what they said they were going to do, and they've done it. And I, I respect the hell out of it, even if I think it's a pretty wild team-building strategy. Um, but before the Rangers as a whole, talk about Eovaldi, because I know you've been a fan of him for, for, for a while. The number of pitchers – who, when healthy, can legitimately fuck up your day mm-hmm. is small. <laughs> yeah. Right? There are pitchers who can uh, inconvenience you, mm-hmm. 
And there are pitchers who can uh, thrive and succeed and dodge danger. But there are very few pitchers who can legitimately fuck up your day. And when healthy, Nadia Valdi is unequivocally one of those pitchers. As recently as 2021, mm-hmm. he was a top 10 pitcher in the world. Yep. Right? If you had ranked 2021 seasons, he would have been right up there. He was great for the Red Sox on their way to the ALCS. And because he has had, I think, seven Tommy John surgeries over the course of his life, uh, the injuries that he endured in 2022 put him in a different light than, say, a different a pitcher with a different injury history. That being said, I am kind of surprised that this is all he got financially. It's pretty clear that the qualifying offer the Red Sox extended to mm-hmm. him stunted his market more than anyone else this offseason. Yeah. Just because it limited him to teams who were legitimately desperate about the future and yep. that was the Rangers. For those of yeah. you who don't totally understand what we're saying, the qualifying offer when is it when it's extended to a player uh, depending on the level of player, the team that signs them is forced to forfeit a certain draft pick. And I believe in this case, it was a third round pick for the Rangers. And for a lot of teams, the calculus is such that it doesn't make sense to sign Nadia Valdi. And they believe that like, oh, the the Excel spreadsheet says that my third round pick is of more value than Nadia Valdi. Right. It's probably what the Orioles decided. Exactly. Exactly. What the Orioles <laughs> but they're not the only team. They're not the only team. Not the only team. Yeah. But the Rangers don't know what a draft pick is. They're right in now. they're in fuck it mode, which we'll get to. <laughs> but Correct. but on on Evaldi specifically, I, I you're totally right. Like when he's at his best, and, and I think that's the question here because he not only has he had uh, multiple Tommy John surgeries, he was very very good to start the year, and then in June he went on the IL. He had basically he had two different IL stints. One was shoulder, never good, and then also back. And his velo, which is normally around 96, was once he came back after the stint in June of the IL, was down at 94, and his ERA was over five for the rest of the season. So while he's only entering his age 33 season, this is a guy, you know, speaking of medicals, you know what you're signing up for. And if you can't, you do feel like you can get it back to that. Um, and he's overcome so many crazy injuries too. I mean, his injuries before he became amazing with the Red Sox was, was a very long medical already. So it's not like it's impossible, but there is another, another page. We're adding another chapter of medical issues for him, which is, is why I think his market in addition to the QA was probably limited. I'm going to irresponsibly grade the Eovaldi Rangers signing based off of his first in-game pitch in spring training. If it is 95 or above, he will get some young votes. If it is 94 or below, he's cooked. It's so funny you say that because we were at Red Sox spring training in before this past season, and you were watching Ivaldi throw... I mean, to call it a flat ground would even be generous. I mean, this dude was essentially playing catch, and you were like, it's his year again. He's going to be even better. He's going to be... And I was like... Oh. Well, I would maybe maybe we've learned to not bet on multiple goody of all these seasons in a row, which is maybe a good thing, right? Maybe that means we we yeah. bounce back in twenty twenty three for for him. This is the problem with going to spring training as a reporter is that you see these players and you're like, holy shit, they're all so good, right? Like you see Nadia Valdi six feet away from you, <laughs> and you're like, oh wow, he's increased so good, and then right. like they're all really good. Uh, now, in the context of the Rangers, their is, rotation is so funny. <laughs> okay. They have, again, we mentioned that they purchased a new rotation. Now, technically, they, part they, of that... Unlike unlike Carlos Correa, they went to the store. They sure did. Two off-seasons in a row. Now, they, they have, which includes, you know, given the QO, 
to Martin Perez coming off a career year. Now you're retaining him, but still, you know, that, that required spending money. He was going to be a free agent, right? So you had to still pay to have Martin Perez come back. So essentially you've paid for, yeah, yeah, you know, really, really four starters, five, if you include Odorizzi, who they traded for. So DeGrom, <laughs> Martin Perez, John Gray, who they paid for last year, Nady Avaldi, Andrew Heaney is your rotation. The, the level of variance there is so hilarious, both on a health, on a performance. You've got DeGrom, who's the best pitcher in the world when he's pitching, but he's never pitching anymore. Perez, who just had a career year, is he going to regress? You have John Gray, who you keep thinking, oh, he'll figure it out and he'll become an ace. Well, that certainly didn't happen last year. Eovaldi and Heaney are both on the can look really good when healthy. Heaney just had this amazing year with the Dodgers, but it was 70 innings. Odorizzi is, is more of, honestly, the dependable option, but the upside certainly isn't there. There is a version where all these guys stay healthy and this team wins 90 games, but like betting on all those things to happen is just hilarious. At the same time, like this is an incredible, they are in their own tier of team building right now where they're saying, fuck it. Like we are trying to win right now. We are going to just spend the money to maybe do it. Are we building a sustainable team? Is anyone on our team under the age of 25 at, at uh, either pitching or hitting besides Josh Young? No. Do we have prospects that are coming up that are young that are going to add to the team? I mean, listen, you can go look. Jack Leiter was not good last year. Kamar Rocker has not really been that good in the minors yet, and it does not look like a starting pitcher. Evan Carter is like the only young, young, young guy where you're like, maybe they have something there. And so all of this just has to go right immediately. And maybe it will. There is a lot of talent at the top end of this roster. It is an incredible way to build a team. I both respect it and think it could be a complete catastrophe in less than two years. But I kind of love it. I almost wish there were more teams that acted like this. It's an even more extreme version of the Padres, right? Because the Padres built up a farm system and then <laughs> traded pieces of it away for big right. league talent yep. and, and then paid a lot of guys a lot of money. This is just taking your wallet and pulling out, you know, when like super rich people, like their credit cards are heavier, right? <laughs> They're like made of titanium and they drop Ray Davis the is walking around with like a brick of a credit card. <laughs> Right. He just drops it. Clang. <laughs> right. Like yes. that's what the Rangers are doing right now. And it is absolutely fascinating. And I like it because when every owner and every front office is just horny for efficiency right. and long term sustainability, the Rangers are going full Texas. Yeah. But that's the thing, too, is it like it could work, but it has to work right now. Like it's we're not building towards anything like there's no you've put the pressure on to where like you need to win. You need to improve from a 68 win season immediately. Like this, it's just it's so funny. Uh, instead of taking the slow build it the way that the Orioles and the Mariners and some of these and the whatever, even the Cubs, right, who are spending money, still doing it more, more cautiously. This is saying fuck it. And and look, man, at the top of the roster looks pretty, pretty cool. It's just, there's not really that much depth here to me in the upper minors that's going to help them, but maybe I'm wrong. So I respect it. I put out a poll after they signed Yavaldi, more wins in 2023, Rangers or Angels, because right now the projections have them pretty similar. Um, and like 70% said Rangers. Now the Angels haven't earned the benefit of the doubt either, even though they had a slightly better season than the Rangers in 2022. And that's fair. That's that's right. Um, but it's similarly. Just merge. Yeah. They just merge. <laughs> That's your best chance of taking down the Astros. So come together and be the Texanaheim Wrangles. <laughs> Who? Where would they play their games? New Mexico. Uh, yeah. All right, exactly. Cool. The ball. Uh, would, all right. Otani would hit seventy-five home runs. Oh, I know. Although not in not. In, oh, in New Mexico, yeah, he would. I was gonna say not in Globe Death. Um. All right. Let's move on to my favorite move of the past two weeks. 
uh, because you know I love Dalton Varsho. But this is just a, this is just a sexy trade that we've been waiting for. We've had so few trades this offseason, and we finally get one. Uh, Dalton Varsho of the Arizona Diamondbacks headed uh, north of the border, closer to his chilly Wisconsin home, relatively, um, to the Blue Jays for uh, top catching prospect. Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., which is an interesting now, uh, part of this. Deal. This trade is incredibly bizarre and fascinating. And to explain why that's the case, we first need to talk about why most trades now are boring. <laughs> Back in the day when baseball was America's real fucking pastime, <laughs> yeah. teams hadn't gotten smart yet. And so they would trade big leaguers for big leaguers or prospects All for the prospects. Time. All the time, right? And so you, as a fan, trades were more interesting because it was like, oh, Alfonso Soriano for Alex Rodriguez and money. And you, everyone knew who was going both ways. Whereas even like the Juan Soto trade, Mm -hmm. no one in D.C. has any real thoughts about James Wood. Yeah, or or Robert Hassel, right? Like these are important, valuable, good, talented players who could become really good. But as far as the average fan goes, you have no idea. Nats fans aren't, you know, walking around the Washington Monument like they do and debating uh, about Mackenzie Gore. It's not as interesting. But when you get a trade like this, where it is big leaguers for big leaguers, young big leaguers for young big leaguers, it is teams challenging one another, saying, we think our evaluation of this player is different or better than yours, or our roster construction is different than yours, and we match in this way. And that's exactly what happened with the Diamondbacks and the Blue Jays here. So Jordan, explain who each of these people are. Mm -hmm. Because while they are big leaguers, they have all played in the big leagues, they are, none of them are famous, but they are all good and interesting. So just let's introduce our characters for this wonderful trade. So Dalton Varsho uh, is one of the more unique players in the league. He was uh, the D-back second rounder back in 2017 out of University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, not exactly a baseball powerhouse, I believe one of the highest draft picks in that school's history. And he immediately became a fascinating prospect because he was a catcher in college, but also he was a hell of an athlete. And so he was also playing some second base, he was playing some third base, and he was playing some outfield. What happened this past year, and he, you know, he hit his way to the big leagues. He was an okay hitter as a rookie, pretty good in 2021, really good in the second half last year. And then in 2022, I got it now last year. I can't say last year for 2021. That's tough. Got to make that adjustment. Um, and then in 2022, what happened was he became one of the best outfielders in baseball. Now, the first half mm. of the season, he was still catching some for the D-backs. And then halfway through the year, he was like, listen. Yes, I can catch and play center field, which is a hell of a thing. But I am a going. I would much rather because the D backs had other catchers, and because he's like, listen, catching sucks ass. I'm not saying this is what he said, but <laughs> we basically this is the thing. We talked to Nick Picoro, uh, a fantastic D backs beat writer, during the winter meetings, and he gave us some great insight into this. And that's when I really realized, oh, they actually might trade Dalton Varsho because it seems like Varsho in the second half of the year he wasn't catching anymore, and he said, hey, I'm going to go be a, one of the best defensive outfielders in the game. If if I'm going to say I'm not going to catch, at least I will be awesome defensively in the outfield. And he did that. Varsho went into his manager's office and he was like, yo, have you seen this catching? Do you know how much this sucks? And I don't want to do that anymore. Now, and not only that, and, and he will be a great test case moving forward, especially since I don't think he'll be catching much, if at all, in Toronto. Of We always talk about, we just talked about this with Garrett Stubbs, right? How the fuck do catchers do anything besides catch? How are they expected to hit? 
when their bodies are just a complete, you know, getting just brutalized every game behind the plate, just just squatting alone. How are you even moving after all that? And this I want be- you, listener, listener, yeah. go squat. Go sit in a squat, okay? Go squat like a catcher for hit. five minutes, okay? And then see it's how hard. you're feeling. Try to yeah. do anything else. And I think this will be a great test of like Dolan Varsha saying, no, I will go be a great outfielder. And now, watch, I'm just going to rake all the time and you can count on me because I'm not tired from catching. And you saw that in the second half of the season. He was incredible offensively for the D-back. He's a very unique looking player. He looks, he has like the trout neck where it's like he's very, he's not as, he's not as tall, but he's so built and he moves so quickly in the same way the trout's like, how is he moving that fast when he's that thick? You'll see it in the outfield. Just a really, really, really fun player. Uh, and and now he'll you know he'll slot into what is a really really cool outfield in Toronto uh, with George Springer, Kevin Kiermaier, and now likely Varsho in left field. So and now of course you know he's under team control for I think th- uh, four more seasons, four or five more seasons. A great fit for Toronto who who wanted to get more left handed because they've been so ridiculously right handed over the past few years. So I love this fit. I love it. And and we'll, we'll get to the D back side here. But do you have any other thoughts on Varsho? Because that's who he's what that's what he's about. There are no other baseball players like him. It's that simple. Yeah. There really aren't. And even if he's not catching anymore, like just know that that was in his, in his skill set. And, and Hey, if you know, Jansen or, or, or Kirk gets hurt, like maybe he does end up catching. Um, so, so we will see a lot more people are going to know Dalt Varsho is, which is cool. Now, as for the Arizona side of this, I was always skeptical. They were going to trade him because he seemed like the best big leaguer right now. And if they're trying to be good right now, it seemed to make more sense to trade someone maybe slightly more improving like Jake McCarthy or an Alec Thomas. Um, instead, they opt to trade Varsho and getting back has one of the top catching prospects in baseball and Gabriel Moreno, who did have a strong uh, major league debut last season, but we haven't fully seen it. Like his track record is very short, albeit it is extremely impressive. And if you think this guy can be a catcher of the future, those are hard to find. And I can understand wanting to invest in that and use the chip to Varsho to get an actual catcher of the future when you do have the outfield surplus that they still do. One of my takeaways from this trade, and maybe this is a bummer thought, <laughs> is this is an admission by the Diamondbacks that they biffed the Paul Goldschmidt trade completely. Yeah. In that deal, December 5th, 2018, the Arizona Diamondbacks sent Paul Goldschmidt to the Cardinals for Carson Kelly, Luke Weaver, Andrew Young, and a competitive balance round pick. Carson Kelly was the real centerpiece of that trade, the catcher of the future, He has turned out to be merely fine. He is a capable backup, a below average starter maybe. Uh, But trading for Moreno and sending Varsho out for Moreno, such a big piece, such a valuable young player, is an admission that that trade did not go the way the Diamondbacks had hoped it would go and is you know, kind of instructive into why this team has struggled over the last handful of years. When you have such a valuable piece, that trade is going to define a lot of your team for the years to come. And it failed simply as that. I do like this trade for both teams, right? The Diamondbacks just had so many outfielders. I think this is the rare deal that makes both teams better in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I mean, the the other thing with this is, I mean, Gurriel, He's only under contract for one year, but like adding him to the deal instead of adding some prospects makes me think that, yeah, they're they're still trying to be pretty competent and good. Now they still have, I mean, they they need a lot more pitching help 
Um, so before I'm going to believe that this, they're really going to compete, but we've, we've talked about the D-backs a lot this offseason, and I do, this is, this is a very interesting move. And if Corbin Carroll's awesome, and if you still believe in Alec Thomas and McCarthy's as good as he was this past year, then like, yeah, they won't miss Varsho that much, especially if Moreno is the truth, which he, he very well might be. I mean, he's, he's really, really highly touted. Let's run through a couple more moves here before we take a quick break. The Atlanta Braves. They extended me, you, Mr. Magoo, and now Sean Murphy, who they traded for seven seconds ago. This I missed. Now, I did not know about this until I got back here at home last night after my uh, beach vacation because the Braves extending someone who they just traded for is no longer even news. (laughs) Yes. Yes, and this was, uh, once again, a Braves uh, press release special. There was no whispers of this whatsoever. I mean, after they traded for him, just because we're now ready for it, after they traded for him, it was like, oh, maybe they'll try to extend him. But because he had two-plus years left on his deal, three years left on his deal, um, it was like, we're not talking about, we don't need to extend Sean At least as, as, as you know, you know, analysts, we were like, okay, well, they're not thinking about that right now. At the same time, the Braves were always thinking about it. And so to basically lock in Sean Murphy saying, he's going to be our catcher. And now you have a situation where the Braves are the Braves. And what I mean by that is not just that they are extending other players and this is what they do. It's that the team that you are watching now is going to be the team that you are watching in a way that you basically can't say about any other team in the league. Even close. Right. It is the opposite of the Tampa Rays, okay? Because if you're a Rays fan... <laughs> you can buy the, multiple jerseys, right? Bingo. There's the conundrum of, besides Kevin Kiermeyer, whose uniform do I buy, right? And now, if you're a Braves fan, just buy the whole fucking team uniform, except for, I guess, like, Max Freed. Right? The top six, right. Freed's Freed's probably gone, but, like, you're looking, just offensively, as, as the lineup stands, the top six right now, Acuna, Harris... Riley, Olsen, Murphy, Albies. All of those guys are under control for at least three more seasons. Most of them five, six, seven, eight, ten, whatever Austin Riley is. And then, and then you also you know have Spencer Strider, uh, who also signed an extension. So it, it's wild, but like, and it's we always have to be careful with this because on one hand, it's like, wow, that looks really cheap for a top five catcher to be making fifteen million. With catchers, for the reasons we just talked about, I feel way less bad taking seeing catchers take. Uh, more certainty taking a contract because catchers can revolt, uh, you know, revert to being terrible or injured at any second. And so taking that certainty makes sense. And also it's like, I mean, I listen, they, they're going to make the decisions they're going to make. I mean, the contracts, like when I look at these extensions, like the Harris one certainly looks like it could be cheap. The Olsen one looks honestly totally reasonable. I don't really, and like Strider is another one, like pitchers, we know how risky it is to pay pitchers. So, so there's a the spectrum thing here. The, Braves, the thing yeah. with the Braves contract strategy. Mm-hmm is it is clouded by how it started, right? The yeah, first two true. of these that we got were Acuna and Albies, both of which at the time we knew were absurd underpays. Yeah. Now, Albies has been hurt the last couple of years and maybe didn't turn into like the all-star level player people thought he was going to be. That being said, he's still obscenely underpaid. And yeah. Acuna is probably the most underplayed, underpaid player in baseball you could argue yeah him or him or jose ramirez but him or jose ramirez <laughs> right yeah but it's, now, it's it's close yeah those contracts cloud everything that comes after that right yeah. but you're right i think the olsen one and the riley one are totally legitimate in terms yeah. of the players taking that value the harris one i think 
because he was so young and unproven and has yet to show that he can adjust to pitchers adjusting to him. Yep. There is something to be said for cashing in on that, especially for a guy who didn't walk at all in the minor leagues. Now, the Braves have figured something out here, right? They have zeroed in on players who, for one reason or another, are going to be willing to sign these under market extensions, below market extensions. They're, they've found these players for a reason, right? And it is it is a very interesting, fascinating strategy that I'm sure you could write a whole book about, right? Yeah. But it is it is clear that this is the plan. Well, it is it is worth pointing out that like <laughs> it has to make some difference that Riley Olson and Harris all grew up in Braves country as Braves fans. Like that's not an accident. Like they are on one of the best teams of baseball, and they're like, oh, I can just be on the best team of base one of the best teams of baseball play for my favorite team for the next 10 years like hell yeah like of course that doesn't mean they're going to pay you know play for a million dollars a year but like that has to have important you know Sean Murphy's from Ohio but at the same time he's like he's like yeah this is a pretty damn good situation and if you're a catcher like I get it I do I do get it when um, you talk to players yeah. around the league guys want to play in Atlanta mm-hmm. it's just a place the players want to be they want to be on the Atlanta Braves and that yeah. goes beyond money Right. The money obviously matters and it matters a ton, but players want to be Atlanta Braves. They want to live in Atlanta. That is a thing that they want. And yeah. what it what it means is that it gives the Braves a structural advantage over some other teams where, you know, no offense to Cleveland, Cleveland could never do this even if they had the money, if they wanted to spend this money, right? They just yeah. couldn't because there aren't as many players from there and guys don't want to be there forever. So I know that uh, Murphy is not from there, but I think the same kind of thing about players wanting to be at Truist Park definitely applies. Two yeah. more quick moves, and then we'll mm-hmm. take a quick break. Michael Conforto to the San Francisco Giants. What a pivot. How's his <laughs> medical? Yeah, I mean, this one, the timing of this one was was hilarious. I mean, this they 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 wrapped this one up basically right after saying Carlos Correa, like, eh, no. But again, what we're talking about here is the difference between <laughs> 236 and 13-350. Like, that is not, that is a difference. That is like I I'm I'll make the same jokes, but that is a real difference here. Um, no, it's also funny because it's also Boris, and you know it's like when Farhan calls Boris to talk about Conforto. Like, is there any like is anyone making jokes? Is anyone <laughs> like yeah yeah how about that? Like hey, that part it's me, of, Scott. Hey Scott, remember me? I was the guy I was Correa's agent. You know you know him? Yeah, remember him? Yeah. So I'm sure there was some some level of awkwardness there. But as far as a fit here, I mean, listen. There's still a part of this, while we can to some degree give them a pass for having doubts about Carlos Correa's ankle, the way that apparently they're not the only one, their offseason still uh, is not looking quite as sexy as we thought it was going to. If they clearly are not going to end up with Correa, maybe they still do. Who knows? Now, adding Conforto, adding Taylor Rogers, we'll talk about in a second. Like Now we're, we're, we're working towards an offense that if it does all click, if him and Hanniger are healthy, great. But you know, it's the same kind of thing we just said with the Rangers. You know, I trust the Giants a whole lot more. That's for sure. Uh, but at the same time, like I, I, I like this because this gives me faith in Conforto, the talent, as a like believing in Conforto, the talent. And so I, I think he's been undervalued in general. He's a total weird situation, not having played last year. But I, I, I think he's really good. Now, not a great park <laughs> to go to as a hitter, but I still think uh, he'll be good for them. I think the Giants offseason is not sexy, but I don't think it is as like it is a PR disaster. Yeah. Because they kind Less of so went now, into it yeah. 
saying like, oh, we're going to judge. judge. Maybe Korea, oh, Korea, right? Like yeah. We're going to do all these things. And they did none of them. And if you're a fan, a casual fan, there's maybe not reasons to buy tickets. But if you look at this roster compared to where it was last year, I think it's definitely better. Yeah, even though definitely. Carlos Rodon is out the door. They also signed uh, one of the Rogerses, Tyler, Taylor. Now they're all together on the Giants. Call it Mr. Rogers's neighborhood. Sell the t-shirts. You didn't get Judge. You didn't get Correa, but there's still a reason to go to the yard. You can see. <laughs> They're like, hey, we got a, we hey, got a circus act now. Yeah. So, I mean, Tyler Rogers was also really good. I mean, he was kind of weird. He, he had a very strange year after the trade, after the hater trade, because the peripherals were still fine, but it just like all the bad luck went out the door. I mean, he he's one of the best left-handed relievers in the league. Like he has been for a while. So he'll definitely help them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, there will be endless hijinks for sure. I, I love the idea of you're like a uh, baseball fan in San Francisco and you were excited to drag your friends out to Oracle park to be like, look at Aaron judge. <laughs> well, now you can go to the yard and tap your friend on the it's shoulder like, and say, Yo, look at the bullpen two guys. Look at their brothers. This is it. Not only are their brothers, look, they look the same. Look at that. Look, they're the same. Uh, so that'll be funny. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you though. Like they, they got better. Um, and maybe there's still moves for them to make. I, I don't really know. Like, I, I think they'll they'll be decent. I can speak from experience. Not everything is sexy. Yeah. Last <laughs> one to quickly talk about. Red Sox signed Corey Kluber. Yep. The Red Sox are having a similarly bizarre offseason where they are incrementally improving their roster inch by inch, millimeter by millimeter, like a tiny little ant crawling up the face of the green monster. None of it is sexy or, in, or particularly fun. If you're a Red Sox fan, you still are throwing eggs at Chaim Bloom's house for him not bringing Xander Bogarts back. When you look at the roster, the Red Sox are giving themselves a chance to be competitive in 2023. Now, that's not as interesting as ensuring you're going to be competitive in 2023, (laughs) which is what some other teams have done. But the Red Sox roster, this team could easily get a wild card spot. Yeah. Easily. It's it's fine. It's it's and, and we knew that. Like Bloom from the beginning was saying, like we are trying to win. It's it, we're we might get there in some weird way, or we might try and get there. Might end up with a weird roster in, in spring training. Uh, but this was not. A, uh, I said this at the beginning of the offseason. One of the most interesting teams you can have is a last place team with a pressure to win, and that doesn't happen very often. But the Red Sox in the AL East are very much in that situation, and that's why you end up signing here. I just wrote about Kluber uh, today for, for Fox sports and he's fascinating to me. Um, I, I won't go too long cause you could just go read that if you want. But basically I, I just find him interesting because for three years he was extremely injured and we were like, this dude is mega toast. And the teams that were acquiring him were like, okay, we're, we're hoping we can like find this untapped potentially this former, you know, two times Cy Young, whatever. And now he just had this really weird season where he was this extremely generic, durable workhorse where he made 31 starts he threw more strikes than almost any pitcher in the league and he just kind of posted and it's like that is so not what we thought teams were going after for Corey Kluber for but I feel like for the Red Sox that's exactly what they want this isn't an upside play this is a hey dude please come make 30 starts for us because our rotation right now has Chris Sale and James Paxton who have combined for 70 innings over the last three seasons (laughs) like that's and that's two two fifths of your rotation not to mention Garrett Whitlock and Brian Bayo, who are very talented, but have not pitched full big league seasons in a rotation. So they're going for certainty here, not for not for sexiness. And I, I think it's fine. And I think Kluber's an interesting pitcher. He's throwing 89 now, but he can still get out. So I think he's pretty good. Corey Kluber won two Cy Youngs, got injured, came back, and was then just Kyle Gibson. 
it's seriously like I know the strikeouts are they're not going to be there anymore, and the ERA was not was not amazing, but like. I think this is a totally makes plenty of sense. So uh, I I know Red Sox fans are super pissed and we can't change that. I don't blame them. Um, But this is a totally fine move. I I like it. All right. Let us take a quick break. I still have more moves to get to, but we're going to do rapid fire those. And then we're going to do an email before we say goodbye. But we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back here on Baseball Barbacast. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And welcome back here on Baseball Barbecast, the first episode of 2023. Oh my God. Hooray. New, we did it. I, new I, year, I, new me. New year, same podcast. I did have the realization uh, a couple days ago. I was like, yo, we're going to have a podcast on opening day. Imagine that. I know. I know. <laughs> what a concept. Very excited about that. All right. We still have more moves to get to. We're going to do these a little bit quicker, but we did want to address them. So uh, let's just go quick here and let's begin with the Marlins signing a free agent major league hitter, Gene Gene, the hitting machine. Gene Segura is on the Miami Marlins. They did it. They signed a hitter. I'm so proud of them. Raise the banner. Kim Ang and the Miami Marlins have done it. Shut down Main Street in Miami. Start the parade. Main Street? I don't know. I do not like Miami. I know. Uh, you'll be there for for WBC. All right, Gene Segura. I mean, listen, great. I I, I I'm honestly surprised there were like why. I'm not sure why the White Sox didn't do this. That seemed like the most right. obvious fit in the world. Like there were other teams that if they had signed Gene Segura, I was like, nice. Like this puts them in a good place. Like here we go. This is like all right, cool. And honestly, like I love Gene Segura. He seems like the kind of guy that probably needs to be on a team that's like winning to be having a good time and playing well and playing hard. Uh, which uh, maybe that happens in Miami. I probably not. So I hope this works, but whatever. I, I'm I'm waiting on the Marlins pitching trade. This this does not interest me. I do think they will trade a pitcher at some point here soon, and I'm very excited to see what that looks like. Until then, I'm not whatever. We're looking back now on Gene Segura's the peak of his relevance, which was the Gene Segura game in the playoffs. Remember that? <laughs> that was incredible. Oh, of course, of course. So anyway, happy for Gene Segura getting a getting a, a two-year deal. All right. The Reds signed Will Myers. The Reds this is a hilarious landing spot. I love this because what this is is when we're all saying, hey, go to cores. Just go ahead and get it, get your offensive numbers back up in a one-year deal. This is what this is because you could say the same thing about Cincinnati. And Will Myers is exactly the kind of candidate who could go hit 30 homers in Cincinnati and then make more money next year. What team is Will Myers playing for on September 1st? Is it <laughs> the Louisville Bats? That's a good the question. Cincinnati Reds? Right, right. Is it is it the Chunichi Dragons? I mean, the Will Myers has had a weird – like he he's not – I, I, it's it's honestly it's interesting to me that like Eric Hosmer has gotten all of the hate right even though statistically they've been pretty similar hitters the last couple of years but but it's like Hosmer's the one that like that guy sucks Will Myers he seems like a great hang 
And I kind of love that. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll go to Cincinnati. I'll, I'll hit third and I'll, <laughs> you know, hang out with Joey Votto. Like, whatever. I love it. Does he know cool. where, do we think he knows where Cincinnati is? Like if you pull that's another thing right. of a blank map of Ohio. Okay. Yeah. And Ohio, for those of you who don't know, imagine mm-hmm. like essentially the letter U mm-hmm. with a line on top, like across mm-hmm. the top of the U filled mm-hmm. in. Do you think he could point <laughs> to a blank map of Ohio and of where Cincinnati is? Uh, now, now I think he's educated by himself by now. But before he signed, yeah, it's, I mean, he's, just, he's obviously played there before. But yeah, um, I like to think part. that he opened his phone and Googled where is Cincinnati. He's like, oh, they're giving me ten million. All right, sweet, sounds good. Uh, Phillies signed Craig Kimbrell. This is this is. I mean, this is a move that people would have laughed at way more had they not just gone to the World Series. Right, like because this is like dousing gasoline on the Phillies bullpen jokes fire, but like we we, we aren't making those as much anymore. So it's like it's just kind of like oh, like Dombrowski loves Kimbrel. Okay, sure. I, I don't really know what Kimbrel has left. Like he wasn't even make the Dodgers playoff roster. Like he looked good at some points last year. He's still throwing hard. Like I don't really know what to expect of him. Like is he? Are they bringing him in to throw the seventh? Maybe. I mean, <laughs> I guess. Like here's the thing though about Kimbrel. Like any reliever. The volatility is freaking bonkers, okay? Yeah. As recently as last year, sorry, we have to kind of stop saying this. As recently as 2021, he was incredible. He was an all-star in 2021, started the year with the Cubs in 36 innings for a mediocre Cubs team. He allowed just six, <laughs> six he was so runs. Good. He was so good. He was striking out. Basically two guys in inning. He had a .49 ERA. Then he got traded to the White Sox at the deadline for Nick Madrigal. Got showed up on the south side and was just ass. And then was you know fine with the Dodgers for half a season and then horrible for the other half. Could Craig Kimbrell show up in 2023 and be a very good reliever? A hundred percent. Of course, but like he's not closing games over Sir Anthony right now. Like, no. I, I guess the point is, like, we might finally be at the point where he's not the obvious closer because he still was closing games with the Dodgers. I would much rather have him than Chapman. I The more I thought about oh, this oh, offseason, yeah, sure. the ranking of, you know, three of the greatest closers we've ever had in baseball of Kenley, mm-hmm. Kimbrell, Chapman mm-hmm. was interesting to me is that, like, three years ago, I would have wanted Chapman, Kimbrell, Kenley. And now it is completely flipped, right? Where... Kenley has aged slower. He aged first, but he's he aged he's, first, his, but his he's decline still, has been slower. And he's still got a, a much a bigger deal. Um, but I dude, it also I thank you for reminding me that Chavin's still a free agent. Like that's an interesting one that we are still kind of waiting on. Um, even though there aren't many, many of those left. But yeah, super bizarre. But I, I just love this one because again, we we would be all laughing at it way more uh, even six months ago. So um, all right, next move we have. Oh, this is this is just great. I'm so excited about this one. Rich Hill has signed with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, this is amazing because one, shouts out to the Pirates for spending on a bunch of random veterans, which is exactly what they need. Look, they're not going to be good this coming year, but they really needed a lot more adults in the room, and they have done that. And Rich Hill, Carl Santana, I mean, they, they've added a bunch of these guys, which is great. Now, Rich Hill, this is big because Rich Hill has been on 12 major league teams, or sorry, 11 uh, major league teams in his career, and the Pirates would be his 12th. Now, there's a very, very, very short list of uh, players who have played for 12, played in the majors for 12 different teams, and now he has a great chance to do that, and maybe even a 13th, 
get closer to Edwin Jackson if he gets traded midseason, which is extremely plausible. He just had a totally normal regular season with the Red Sox, other than the fact that he's 42 fucking years old, throwing 84 miles an hour. Other than that, it looks like a pretty normal season. He turns 43 one day after Jordan Schusterman turns 28 on yep. March 11th. Jordan, Oasis <laughs> once sang, you and I are going to live forever. And my question to Rich Hill is, can I join you in your quest to be eternal so, this guy was drafted like what year, he was drafted in the 1990 his first yeah he was draft. first he was drafted out of high school by the Reds in 1999 he he then goes to Michigan and eventually signs in 2002 but yeah like this this guy who the, again, words, the, 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 the year 1999 here's the other shows thing. up <laughs> on his draft pick Boston to last year that the story was Rich Hill, back in Boston for the 50th different stint. Boston native, one more ride, then he'll probably retire. And I love that he pitched well enough to somehow get $8 million from one of the worst teams in baseball to just go hang out in Pittsburgh for a year. That is so funny and so great. And like, it's because we all thought, okay, oh, Boston, oh, nice, and he'll be done. Oh, no, just kidding. I'm still good. I'm still going. Uh, Get yo money, Rich Hill. I hope. Here's you my question, forever. though. Here's my question. I, I don't want to dig in too deep to his psyche, but why is he doing this? Why is Rich Hill still pitching? Because if you take a look at his career earnings, you know, I don't want to go too deep. I mean, he's made sixty-seven million dollars. I understand he started later than a lot of people, but he's made enough. Like he's he's not going to die penniless. No, like but, but still, another eight million. Like for him. Another eight million when he hasn't made that much in a single season since 2019. Like that's an amazing accomplishment. Like to me, that's still a ton of money to get in your age 43 season. And he obviously still loves pitching and he obviously right. still loves being around the game. And it's not like he's going to Oakland. Like I'm sure being so relatively close to the East coast where his family is in Boston helps. Like I just, I love this so much, but what's f okay. Is he chasing a ring? Is he chasing Edwin Jackson? Is he, is he trying start to start opening day? Is he yeah, is he gonna try and pitch till he's 45? Because what you say that he clearly loves it. He doesn't look like he loves it. <laughs> he does, that's true. That's the that's, funniest part. Yes. Most of that these is guys, like point. when we had old Bartolo, right, pitching until he was 46, he was like fucking around, like he was doing goofy He's smiling. Shit he was doing a lot of smiling. smiling Rich off. Hill looks like one of the most miserable pitchers. <laughs> he looks exhausted from pitch one. <laughs> he looks like he is being punished. Right? Like he was you know in soviet russia he like <laughs> broke the law and his his he's being sent to the gulag in pittsburgh to you must pitch until you're start. 55 <laughs> like what i love it i love that he's still going and you know eight million dollars is eight million dollars but he just doesn't look like he's having fun but he's clearly having enough fun to be like i'll play for the pirates it does it looks so laborious but he's god i love rich hill what a thing um God, that's so great. And yeah, Edwin Jackson, you worried? Nervous, bro? Worried? Nervous, bro? He's coming. All right, a couple more. D-back sign Evan Longoria. I mean, this is this is like, oh, great. Evan Longoria is still actually pretty good. I, I, I thought he was way worse this past year, even though he was definitely old and injured. Lives in Arizona, wants to hang out on the D-backs. And that's another thing. D-backs could use like competent hitters and if they're going to chase down the... Like there's a cool version of this season where the D-backs and Giants are like battling for the third wildcard spot and Longoria like hits a huge homer against them in San Francisco or something. Like 
he's great. He's, you know, sneaky Hall of Fame candidate. Great career. Glad he's still playing. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about. Okay, so he Hall of Fame is more than just what is your career war. But his career war is 58.1. You could envision, right, if he has another handful of decent seasons, if he gets to 65, that's like a legitimate Hall of Fame career. Yeah, to me, he's going to be stuck in the Ian Kinsler zone, honestly, where it's like, damn, that's a lot of war. Oh, what? I mean, he, he's, he's got way more counting stats than Kinsler, but not really that much. And, you know, he had the great defense earlier in his career. He won a gold glove later. It's a hell of a career. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't, whatever, we're, we're big hall guys, so who cares? But <laughs> like, I, I think he's going to be one where the people, when we're doing this in eight years, we're like, whoa, whoa, he was better than I remember. But man, early Evan Longoria was an absolute baller. The the difference between him and Scott Rowland for me is that I saw Evan Longoria. So he gets to be <laughs> in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and it is funny to me. He just has a house in Scottsdale and like doesn't want to live anywhere else. So he He's was jealous. like, yeah, sure. Whatever. He's 37. Like again, and he, I, I but I, again, I, I like this for Arizona. It's, it's a nice little floor raiser for them as well. So nice move. Uh, all right. Couple more, uh, yeah, Cubs, Tucker Barnhart, whatever. Ty, are you sad about Tyler Nevin? We'll, we'll, we'll finish with Caleb Durbin in a second, but you sad about Tyler Nevin. I mean, the Tyler Nevin, the Orioles traded away Tyler Nevin, who, uh, everyone knows on their favorite team, there's the player they that is the most unwatchable <laughs> where when they're in the starting lineup and you have a competent player in triple a, mm. you just want to throw your phone out a window. Right. And Tyler Nevin was that for the 2022 Orioles. I don't know if I believe what I'm about to say, but I do think there's an argument that if he was never on the team, they would have made the playoffs. Um, but now <laughs> oh he is not on the team. He is on the uh. Tigers and the national nightmare in Baltimore, oh. the darkest day in Baltimore since uh, Fort McHenry oh, man. Uh, and the War of 1812 is over. Yeah, uh, yeah listen, it, it's nothing personal, but I totally agree with you. And everyone knows what they're talking about on the same team. And hey, at Tigers, we salute you if you can figure him out. I know they don't have much to lose in terms of the offensive players they're giving uh, playing time, but... That's whatever. Uh, Nats claim Jeter Downs. Good luck. They're just piling former prospects. They signed Michael Chavis too. Good for them. But that's exactly what the Nats should be doing. So not mad about it. G the Jeter Downs Carter Keyboom uh, camp battle will be really a special thing to witness. And then congratulations, <laughs> congratulations to the Bolston Reld Sulks for the L's they are holding from the Mookie Betts trade. They traded for a guy named Jeter, and it just didn't work. Yeah, tough. Uh, and then the Yankees signed Willie Calhoun to a minor league deal. I just, listen, it hasn't gone well for his friends Joey Gallo and IKF, but maybe a lot less pressure on this one, and his swing certainly is geared for the short porch. The <laughs> delta between players that you believe in, Jordan, uh, and how well they've done yeah. Sadly, there is no larger. It's, it's gap very, it's very different this. than than Dalton Varsho, where I was in and I was more right. This one, it's like, come on, Willie, I believe in you. But whatever, he'll be in Scranton, hopefully raking. All right, the last move we have to talk about is a trade that most people saw and said, "Who cares?" Lucas Litke was DFA'd by the Yankees, and about a week later, he was traded to the Braves for a prospect named Indigo Diaz. Jake, you went to school with Indigo Diaz. Oh, sorry, no, Caleb Durbin, the other guy. Caleb Durbin, a pitching prospect, Indigo Diaz, and Caleb Durbin. Caleb Durbin, who is this? And Yankees fans are listening. Get them excited for the Caleb Durbin experience. Tell us about Caleb Durbin. 
So I played Division Three baseball at Washington University in St. Louis, a nerd school where not a lot of professional athletes come from. In fact, almost zero. Uh, two years after I graduated, a gentleman by the name of Caleb Durbin showed up and helped along by the foundation that I had laid for him. He became one of the greatest players in program history and was eventually drafted by the Atlanta Braves, I believe in the 14th or the 17th round. 14th, of the yep. 14th round of the 2021 MLB draft. Now, the reason he was drafted is because he's got really short arms and he never strikes out. The he shortest arms. Two times in his entire junior year, which is insane. <laughs> two times. He struck out two times. Twice. Yes. He struck two, out two. twice his entire junior year. Now, granted, the pitching was very bad. Still. Still, times. I don't care. He he Just was the only time. one in, in D3 baseball who only struck out two times. Um, he was one of the best players in D3 baseball. And then, yeah, getting drafted as a D3 hitter is extremely difficult. So he does. Great. Cool. And then he goes in his pro debut last year and is still not striking out very often. And he reaches he reaches high A where the, the numbers slow down a little bit. I honestly had more power than I expected, all things considered. He's a very stocky, stocky guy. Um, but he is like a, like, I mean... To call him a prospect is maybe a bit of a stretch, but he's something. He's something. Like, if you're getting traded for, some team yeah. believes in something about you, and the fact that he had an even strikeout-to-walk ratio in the minors last year is is right. at least something. Good makeup, steals bases, makes a lot of contact, maybe he gets some power, but we care because you went to the same school as me, and that's super, super weird. This is not like if you went to LSU, right, and the Yankees traded for an LSU guy. Oh, I went to my school. Like, we just <laughs> right. don't. But this yeah. is exactly why we love uh, D3 baseball so much is it's so much more personal. It's so much more rare. It's so like the people don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And so when you do have that connection, it means right. a lot. When I saw this trade go through, it was like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's pointing at the TV. Like, oh, Caleb Durbin's there. You getting Carlos and Caleb Durbin in back-to-back -back weeks for the Yankees. I mean, that is... That is huge. He had the fourth lowest swinging strike rate in minor league baseball last year um, at any level. Uh, ahead of Carlos Correa's brother, J.C. Correa. There wow. you go. Full circle his ankle. To, the, to the beginning of the podcast. All right. Uh, we are going to finish up. Well, let's do an email. I want to do an email because we haven't done emails recently. And we have a fun email from a former Division Three baseball player. Uh, fitting transition there. You can email us at baseballbarbcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast at gmail.com. On my to-do list today is to respond to all of them. We may not read them all here on the show, but they do all mean yes. something to me. Yes, and we will. We will again. We're, we'll keep them coming. We will. We will try to be more consistent with it. But we have one from uh, an emailer named Ryan, who I am very familiar with, as he will make note here. But this is a funny email here from Ryan. Ryan says, "Hello, Cespedes boys. My name is Ryan. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. Unless you count sliding into Jordan's DMs to chat about the 2015 NCAC championship, he watched me play. It's kind of a big deal. It's true. 2015." Overland baseball, one of the most incredible baseball teams I've ever seen. Mad respect, even though I'm wearing a College of Worcester sweatshirt and I'm still a little salty. All right, let's get to his email. He says, I have a problem with Manfred's runner on second rule for extra innings. That problem being that it's more boring than talking politics with my uncle at Thanksgiving. One day, a while back, I was sitting in my office pretending to work and thinking about baseball. A usual day for me. And I came up with the idea that instead of adding a man on base for the offense, what if we took away someone from the defense? 
For example, I love this, this picture he paints here. A game at Canada Yards between the Blue Jays and Orioles is tied going into the top of the 10th. When the Orioles go back to play defense after failing to score in the bottom of the ninth, they have to do so missing a corner outfielder. Both teams fail to score in the 10th, and the Orioles take the field with seven defenders to start the 11th and so on. Imagine a game being tied into the 12th or 13th, and the defense looks like they're playing four-on-four -four wiffle ball in a major league stadium. Adam Silver comes strolling out of the bullpen to try to get Adley Rutschman out and send the game to another inning, and he has one outfielder and no third baseman. That is something I would tune in to watch. I'd absolutely love to hear your thoughts on this proposal and how you think Rob Manfred would respond to such an idea. Love the show and keep up the good work. Ryan, I love this idea. There is some precedent of taking players away in extra time, as we do see that in hockey. Now, taking away defenders in particular and kind of changing the balance of the sport, I think this is interesting because some people say one of the biggest criticisms about the Manford man is that's not baseball. That's not natural, right? That's you're breaking the rules of the sport to put someone on base. This is really doing that, right? But I do agree. I think it would be more interesting. And from a strategic standpoint, would be more interesting than do we bunt or do we not? I think players would hate this. Players love complaining about everything, but they would, they would just be like, this isn't real <laughs> I think this idea is great. I do think it works better in soccer where instead of penalty kicks, you just take a guy off every, you know, 10 minutes until everyone's exhausted and there's tons of room on the pitch it, for baseball. It, I, I think if you go below se seven, it just turns into a total circus. Here's the funniest thing about this. The first Say we do it once. Okay, there's usually on most teams, there's an obvious bad defender you're taking off, right? But I do love that it, talk about players who hate it. You'd be hurting some egos eventually, right? Because at some point you're like, ah, like you're <laughs> deciding between your third baseman and your right fielder and your right fielder is like, really? You're going to take me out? Like, I, I'm, I would be curious though to see, like would teams opt to keep their infielders and move them to the outfield or keep their outfielders and move them to the infield? Would they ditch their first baseman first and just slide a guy over and keep three outfielders? Like, I do think that strategically you would see way more interesting stuff. This is also great because it could make Jimmy Norp a big leaguer. <laughs> Yes, and anything to get Jimmy Norp uh, in the big leagues. We have an email about him, too, that we haven't read that we should do at some point. But anything to get Jimmy Norp in the big leagues, I totally agree. If you don't know who we're talking about, just Google him. Jimmy Norp, K-N-O-R-P. Get Norped, everybody. All right. Great email from Ryan. I love that. And I, I'm sure there's even more to that that we could get into. But I, I just thought it was a funny idea to picture. So thank you for that email. Again, you can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Thank you so much, everybody, for the support over these past few weeks. Um, again, ratings and reviews, we really appreciate those. We're trying to get back to the number one sports podcast in Croatia. I believe we were up there last week uh, on, on the on the chartable charts. I would love to get back up there. So if you're in Croatia and you're listening to this, make sure you're leaving us a nice rating and downloading us on as many uh, computers as you can. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate the support. Um, again, we always appreciate if you leave us a nice rating and review and just write a random name of a baseball player in your review. You don't actually have to say nice things about us. Just uh, give us the first baseball player that comes into your mind. We, we appreciate those. Um, but yeah, any anything else before we uh, thank our wonderful producer and say goodbye? No. All right, that's it. Thank you for listening to Baseball Barbercast. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing. We will be back on Thursday with maybe more moves, maybe not. Uh, if not, we will continue to have a fun time here on this baseball podcast. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. 
Sirius XM Podcasts.